Section 2 of The Extermination of the American Bison. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eric Shaga. The Extermination of the American Bison by William T. Hornaday. Part 1, Chapter 2 Geographic Distribution. The range of the American bison extended over about one-third of the entire continent of North America. Starting almost at tidewater on the Atlantic coast, it extended westward through a vast tract of dense forest, across the Allegheny Mountain system to the prairies along the Mississippi, and southward to the delta of that great stream. Although the Great Plains country of the west was the natural home of the species, where it flourished most abundantly, it also wandered south across Texas to the burning plains of northeastern Mexico, westward across the Rocky Mountains into New Mexico, Utah, and Idaho, and northward across a vast treeless waste to the bleak and inhospitable shores of the Great Slave Lake itself. It is more than probable that had the bison remained unmolested by man and uninfluenced by him, he would eventually have crossed the Sierra Nevadas and the Coast Range, and taken up his abode in the fertile valleys of the Pacific Slope. Had the bison remained for a few more centuries in undisturbed possession of his range, and with liberty to roam at will over the North American continent, it is almost certain that several distinctly recognizable varieties would have been produced. The buffalo of the hot regions in the extreme south would have become a short-haired animal like the gaur of India and the African buffalo. The individuals inhabiting the extreme north in the vicinity of Great Slave Lake, for example, would have developed still longer hair and taken on more of the dense hairiness of the muskox. In the wood or mountain buffalo, we already have a distinct foreshadowing of the changes which would have taken place in the individuals which made their permanent residence upon rugged mountains. It would be an easy matter to fill a volume with facts relating to the geographical distribution of Bison Americanus and the dates of its occurrence and disappearance in the multitude of different localities embraced within the immense area it once inhabited. The capricious shiftings of certain sections of the great herds, whereby large areas which for many years had been utterly unvisited by buffaloes suddenly became overrun by them, could be followed up indefinitely, but to little purpose. In order to avoid wearying the reader with a mass of dates and references, the map accompanying this paper has been prepared to show, at a glance, the approximate dates at which the bison finally disappeared from the various sections of its habitat. In some cases, the date given is coincident with the death of the last buffalo known to have been killed in a given state or territory. In others, where records are meager, the date given is the nearest approximation, based on existing records. In the preparation of this map, I have drawn liberally from Mr. J. A. Allen's admirable monograph of the American bison, in which the author has brought together, with great labor and invariable accuracy, a vast amount of historical data bearing upon this subject. In this connection, I take great pleasure in acknowledging my indebtedness to Professor Allen's work. While it is inexpedient to include here all the facts that might be recorded with reference to the discovery, existence, and ultimate extinction of the bison in the various portions of its former habitat, it is yet worth while to sketch briefly the extreme limits of its range. In doing this, our starting point will be the Atlantic Slope, east of the Alleghenies, and the reader will do well to refer to the large map. District of Columbia 
There is no indisputable evidence that the bison ever inhabited this precise locality, but it is probable that it did. In 1612, Captain Argall sailed up the Pembroke River to the head of navigation. Mr. Allen believes this was the James River, and not the Potomac, and marched inland a few miles, where he discovered buffaloes, some of which were killed by his Indian guides. If this river was the Potomac, and most authorities believe that it was, the buffaloes seen by Captain Argall might easily have been in what is now the District of Columbia. Admitting the existence of a reasonable doubt as to the identity of the Pembroke River of Captain Argall, there is yet another bit of history which fairly establishes the fact that in the early part of the 17th century, buffaloes inhabited the banks of the Potomac between this city and the Lower Falls. In 1624, an English fur trader named Henry Fleet came hither to trade with the Anacostian Indians, who then inhabited the present site of the city of Washington, and with the tribes of the Upper Potomac. In his journal, discovered a few years since in the Lambeth Library of London, Fleet gave a quaint description of the city's site as it then appeared. The following is from the Explorer's Journal. Monday, the 25th of June, we set sail for the town of Tahoga, where we came to an anchor two leagues short of the falls. This place, without question, is the most pleasant and healthful place in all this country, and most convenient for habitation, the air temperate in summer and not violent in winter. It aboundeth with all manner of fish. The Indians, in one night, commonly will catch thirty sturgeons in a place where the river is not above twelve fathoms broad. And as for deer, buffaloes, bears, turkeys, the woods do swarm with them. The 27th of June, I manned my shallop and went up with the flood, the tide rising about four feet at this place. We had not rowed above three miles, but we might hear the falls to roar about six miles distant. Maryland there is no evidence that the bison ever inhabited Maryland, except what has already been adduced with reference to the District of Columbia. If either of the references quoted may be taken as conclusive proof, and I see no reason for disputing either, then the fact that the bison once ranged northward from Virginia to Maryland is fairly established. There is reason to expect that fossil remains of bison americanus will yet be found both in Maryland and the District of Columbia, and I venture to predict this will yet occur. Virginia. Of the numerous references to the occurrence of the bison in Virginia, it is sufficient to allude to Colonel William Byrd's meetings with buffaloes in 1620, while surveying the southern boundary of the state, about 155 miles from the coast, as already quoted. The references of the discovery of buffaloes on the eastern side of the Virginia mountains, quoted by Mr. Allen from Salmon's Present State of Virginia, page 14, London, 1737, and the capture and domestication of buffaloes in 1701 by the Huguenot settlers in Madigan Town, which was situated on the James River, about 14 miles above Richmond. Apparently, buffaloes were more numerous in Virginia than in any other of the Atlantic states. North Carolina Colonel Byrd's discoveries along the interstate boundary between Virginia and North Carolina fixes the presence of the bison in the northern part of the latter state at the time of the survey. The following letter to Professor G. Brown Good, dated Bird's Nest Post Office, Virginia, August 6, 1888, from Mr. C. R. Moore, furnishes reliable evidence of the presence of the buffalo at another point in North Carolina. In winter of 1857, I was staying for the night at the house of an old gentleman named Houston. I should judge he was seventy then. 
He lived near Buffalo Ford on the Catawba River, about four miles from Statesville, North Carolina. I asked him how the ford got its name. He told me that his grandfather told him that when he was a boy the buffalo crossed there, and that when the rocks in the river were bare they would eat the moss that grew upon them. The point indicated is in longitude 81 degrees west, and the date not far from 1750. South Carolina Professor Allen cites numerous authorities whose observations furnish abundant evidence of the existence of a buffalo in South Carolina during the first half of the 18th century. From these, it is quite evident that in the northwestern half of the state, buffaloes were once fairly numerous. Keating declares, on the authority of Calhoun, And we know that some of those who first settled the Abbeville district in South Carolina in 1756 found the buffalo there. This appears to be the only definite locality in which the presence of the species was recorded. Georgia The extreme southeastern limit of the buffalo in the United States was found on the coast of Georgia, near the mouth of the Altamaha River, opposite St. Simons Island. Mr. Francis Moore, in his voyage to Georgia, made in 1736 and reported upon in 1744, makes the following observation. The island, St. Simons, abounds with deer and rabbits. There are no buffalo in it, though there are large herds upon the main. Elsewhere in the document, reference is made to buffalo hunting by Indians on the mainland near Darien. In James E. Oglethorpe's enumeration, 1733, of the wild beasts of Georgia and South Carolina, he mentions deer, elks, bears, wolves, and buffaloes. Up to the time of Moore's voyage to Georgia, the interior was almost wholly unexplored, and it is almost certain that had not the large herds of buffalo upon the mainland existed within a distance of 20 or 30 miles or less from the coast, the colonists would have had no knowledge of them, nor would the Indians have taken up the warpath against the whites at Darien, under the pretense of hunting buffalo. Alabama Having established the existence of the bison in northwestern Georgia, almost as far down as the center of the state, and in Mississippi, down to the neighborhood of the coast, it was naturally expected that a search of historical records would reveal evidence that the bison once inhabited the northern half of Alabama. A most careful search through all the records bearing upon the early history and exploration of Alabama, to be found in the Library of Congress, failed to discover the slightest reference to the existence of the species in that state, or even to the use of buffalo skins by any of the Alabama Indians. While it is possible that such a hiatus really existed, in this instance its existence would be wholly unaccountable. I believe that the buffalo once inhabited the northern half of Alabama, even though history fails to record it. Louisiana and Mississippi at the beginning of the 18th century, buffaloes were plentiful in southern Mississippi and Louisiana, not only down to the coast itself from Bay St. Louis to Biloxi, but even in the very delta of the Mississippi, as the following record shows. In a memoir addressed to Comte de Pontchartrain, December 10, 1697, the author, Monsieur de Raymondville, describes the country around the mouth of the Mississippi, now the state of Louisiana, and further says, a great abundance of wild cattle are also found there, which might be domesticated by rearing up the young calves. 
Whether these animals were buffaloes might be considered an open question, but for the following additional information, which affords positive evidence. The trade in furs and peltry would be immensely valuable and exceedingly profitable. We could also draw from thence a great quantity of buffalo hides every year, as the plains were filled with the animals. In the same volume, page 47, in a document entitled Annals of Louisiana from 1698 to 1722 by Monsieur Penicot, the author records the presence of buffalo on the Gulf Coast on the banks of the Bay of St. Louis as follows. The next day we left Pea Island and passed through the little rigolets, which led into the sea about three leagues from the Bay of St. Louis. We encamped at the entrance of the bay, near a fountain of water that flows from the hills, and which was called at this time Bell Fountain. We hunted during several days upon the coast of this bay, and filled our boats with the meat of the deer, buffaloes, and other wild game which we had killed, and carried it to the fort, Biloxi. The occurrence of buffalo at Natchez is recorded, and also, page 115, at the mouth of Red River as follows. We ascended the Mississippi to pass Manchac, where we killed fifteen buffaloes. The next day we landed again, and killed eight more buffaloes and as many deer. The presence of the buffalo in the delta of the Mississippi was observed and recorded by de Iberville in 1699. According to Claiborne, the Choctaws have an interesting tradition in regard to the disappearance of the buffalo from the Mississippi. It relates that during the early part of the 18th century, a great drought occurred, which was particularly severe in the prairie region. For three years, not a drop of rain fell. The Nayibi and Tom Bigby rivers dried up and the forest perished. The elk and buffalo, which up to that time had been numerous, all migrated to the country beyond the Mississippi and never returned. Texas It will be remembered that it was in southeastern Texas in all probability within 50 miles of the present city of Houston, that the earliest discovery of the American bison on its native heath was made in 1530 by Cabeza de Vaca, a half-starved, half-naked, and wholly wretched Spaniard, almost the only surviving member of the celebrated expedition which burned its ships behind it. In speaking of the buffalo in Texas at the earliest periods of which we have any historical record, Professor Allen says, these were also found in immense herds on the coast of Texas, at the Bay of St. Bernard, Matagorda Bay, and on the lower part of the Colorado, Rio Grande, according to some authorities, by La Salle in 1685, and thence northwards across the Colorado, Brazos, and Trinity Rivers. Jotel says that when in latitude 28 degrees 51, the sight of abundance of goats and bullocks, differing in shape from ours and running along the coast, heightened our earnestness to be ashore. They afterwards landed in St. Louis Bay, now called Matagorda Bay, where they found buffaloes in such numbers on the Colorado River that they called it La Riviere au Bouffe. According to Professor Allen, the buffalo did not inhabit the coast of Texas east of the mouth of the Brazos River. It is a curious coincidence that the state of Texas, wherein the earliest discoveries and observations upon the bison were made, should also now furnish a temporary shelter for one of the last remnants of the great herd. Mexico In regard to the existence of a buffalo south of the Rio Grande, in old Mexico, there appears to be but one authority on record, Dr. Berlandier, who at the time of his death left in MS a work on the mammals of Mexico. 
At one time, this MS was in the Smithsonian Institution, but it is there no longer, nor is its fate even ascertainable. It is probable that it was burned in the fire that destroyed a portion of the institution in 1865. Fortunately, Professor Allen obtained and published in his monograph, in French, a copy of that portion of Dr. Berlandier's work relating to the presence of a bison in Mexico, of which the following is a translation. In Mexico, when the Spaniards, ever greedy for riches, pushed their explorations to the north and northeast, it was not long before they met with the buffalo. In 1602, the Franciscan monks who discovered Nuevo León encountered in the neighborhood of Monterey numerous herds of these quadrupeds. They were also distributed in Nouvelle Biscaye, states of Chihuahua and Durango, and they sometimes advanced to the extreme south of that country. In the 18th century, they concentrated more and more toward the north, but still remained very abundant in the neighborhood of the province of Baxar. At the commencement of the 19th century, we see them recede gradually in the interior of the country to such an extent that they become day by day scarcer and scarcer about the settlements. Now, it is not in their periodical migrations that we meet them near Baxar. Every year in the spring, in April or May, they advance toward the north, to return again to the southern regions in September and October. The exact limits of these annual migrations are unknown. It is, however, probable that in the north they never go beyond the banks of the Rio Bravo, at least in the states of Coahuila and Texas. Toward the north, not being checked by the currents in Missouri, they progress even as far as Michigan, and they are found in summer in the territories and interior states of the United States of North America. The route which these animals follow in their migrations occupies a width of several miles, and becomes so marked that, besides the verdure destroyed, one would believe the fields had been covered with manure. These migrations are not general, for certain bands do not seem to follow the general mass of their kin, but remain stationary throughout the whole year on the prairies covered with a rich vegetation on the banks of the Rio de Guadalupe and the Rio Colorado of Texas, not far from the shores of the Gulf, to the east of the colony of San Felipe, precisely at the same spot where La Salle and his traveling companions saw them 200 years before. The revered father, Damien Monsonet, saw them also as in our days on the shores of Texas, in regions which have since been covered with habitations, hamlets, and villages of new colonists, and from whence they have disappeared since 1828. From the observations made on this subject, we may conclude that the buffalo inhabited the temperate zone of the New World, and that they inhabited it at all times. In the north, they never advanced beyond the 48th or 58th degree of latitude, and in the south, although they may have reached as low as the 25th degree, they scarcely passed beyond the 27th or 28th degree, north latitude, at least in the inhabited and known portions of the country. New Mexico In 1542, Coronado, while on his celebrated march, met with the vast herds of buffalo on the upper Pecos River, since which the presence of the species in the valley of the Pecos has been well known. In describing the journey of Espejo down the Pecos River in the year 1584, Davis says, in the Spanish Conquest of New Mexico, page 260, They passed down a river they called Rio de las Vacas, or the River of Oxen the river Pecos in the same cow river that Baca describes, says Professor Allen, and was so named because of the great number of buffaloes that fed upon its banks. 
They traveled down this river the distance of 120 leagues, all the way passing through great herds of buffaloes. Professor Allen locates the western boundary of the buffalo in New Mexico, even as far west as the western side of the Rio Grande del Norte. Utah It is well known that buffaloes, though in very small numbers, once inhabited northeastern Utah, and that a few were killed by the Mormon settlers prior to 1840 in the vicinity of Great Salt Lake. In the museum at Salt Lake City, I was shown a very ancient mounted head of a buffalo bull, which was said to have been killed in the Salt Lake Valley. It is doubtful that such was really fact. There is no evidence that the bison ever inhabited the southwestern half of Utah, and, considering the great sterility of the territory as a whole previous to its development by irrigation, it is surprising that any buffalo in his senses would ever set foot in it at all. Idaho the former range of the bison probably embraced the whole of Idaho. Fremont states that in the spring of 1824, the buffalo were spread in immense numbers over the Green River and Bear River valleys, and through all the country lying between the Colorado or Green River of the Gulf of California and Lewis's Fork of the Columbia River, the meridian of Fort Hall then forming the western limit of their range. In J.K. Townsend's narrative of a journey across the Rocky Mountains, in 1834, he records the occurrence of herds near the Malade and Boise and Salmon Rivers, ten days' journey, 200 miles west of Fort Hall. The buffalo then remained for many years in that country, and frequently moved down the valley of the Columbia on both sides of the river as far as the fishing falls. Below this point, they never descended in any numbers. About 1834 or 1835, they began to diminish very rapidly, and continued to decrease until 1838 or 1840, when, when the country we have just described, they entirely abandoned all the waters of the Pacific north of Lewis Fork of the Columbia, now called the Snake River. At that time, the Flathead Indians were in the habit of finding their buffalo on the heads of the Salmon River and other streams of the Columbia. Oregon the only evidence on record of the occurrence of bison in Oregon is of the following, from Professor Allen's memoir. Respecting its former occurrence in eastern Oregon, Professor O.C. Marsh, under date of New Haven, February 7, 1875, writes me as follows. The most western point at which I myself have observed remains the buffalo was at 187 on Willow Creek, eastern Oregon among the foothills of the eastern side of Blue Mountains. This is about latitude 44 degrees. The bones were perfectly characteristic, although nearly decomposed. The remains must have been those of a solitary and very enterprising straggler. The Northwest Territories, British At two or three points only did the buffaloes of the British possessions cross the Rocky Mountains barrier toward British Columbia. One was the path through which the Canadian Pacific Railway now runs, 200 miles north of the international boundary. According to Dr. Richardson, the number of buffaloes which crossed the mountains at that point were sufficiently noticeable to constitute a feature of the fauna on the western side of the range. It is said that buffaloes also crossed by way of the Kootenai Pass, which is only a few miles north of the boundary line, but the number which did so must have been very small. As might be expected from the character of the country, the favorite range of the bison in British America was the northern extension of the Great Pasture region lying between the Missouri River and Great Slave Lake. The most northerly occurrence of the bison is recorded as an observation of Franklin in 1820 at Slave Point, on the north side of the Great Slave Lake. 
A few frequent Slave Point on the north side of the lake, but this is the most northern situation in which they were observed by Captain Franklin's party. Dr. Richardson defined the eastern boundary of the Bison's Range in British America as follows. They do not frequent any of the districts formed of primitive rocks, and the limits of their range to the eastward within the Hudson's Bay Company's territories may be correctly marked on a map by a line commencing in longitude 97 degrees on the Red River, which flows into the south end of Lake Winnipeg, crossing the Saskatchewan toward the westward of the Basquian Hill, and running thence by the Athapascow to the east end of Great Slave Lake. Their migrations westward were formerly limited to the Rocky Mountain Range, and they are still unknown in New Caledonia and on the shores of the Pacific to the north of Columbia River. But of late years they have found out a passage across the mountains near the sources of the Saskatchewan, and their numbers to the westward are annually increasing. Great Slave Lake that the buffalo inhabited the southern shore of this lake as late as 1871 is well established by the following letter from Mr. E. W. Nelson to Mr. J. A. Allen, under date of July 11, 1877. I have met here, in St. Michael's, Alaska, two gentlemen who crossed the mountains from British Columbia and came to Fort Yukon through British America, from whom I have derived some information about the buffalo, Bryson Americanus, which will be of interest to you. These gentlemen descended the Peace River, and on about the 118th degree of longitude made a portage to Hay River directly north. On this portage they saw thousands of buffalo skulls, and old trails, in some instances two or three feet deep, leading east and west. They wintered on Hay River near its entrance into Great Slave Lake, and here found the buffalo still common, occupying a restricted territory along the southern border of the lake. This was in 1871. They made inquiry concerning the large number of skulls seen by them on the portage, and learned that about fifty years before, snow fell on the estimated depth of fourteen feet, and so enveloped the animals that they perished by the thousands. It is asserted that these buffaloes are larger than those of the plains. Minnesota and Wisconsin a line drawn from Winnipeg to Chicago, curving slightly to the eastward in the middle portion, will very nearly define the eastern boundary of the Buffalo's Range in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Illinois and Indiana The whole of these two states were formerly inhabited by the Buffalo, the fertile prairies of Illinois being particularly suited to their needs. It is doubtful whether the range of the species extended north of the northern boundary of Indiana, but since southern Michigan was as well adapted to their support as Ohio or Indiana, their absence from that state must have been due more to accident than design. Ohio The southern shore of Lake Erie forms part of the northern boundary of the Bison's Range in the eastern United States. The hometown explored Lake Erie in 1687 and thus describes its southern shore. I cannot express what quantities of deer and turkeys are to be found in these woods, and in the vast meads that lie upon the south side of the lake. At the bottom of the lake we find beeves upon the banks of a pleasant two rivers that disembog into it without cataracts or rapid currents. It thus appears that the southern shore of Lake Erie forms part of the northern boundary of the Buffalo's Range in the eastern United States. New York 
In regard to the presence of a bison in any portion of the state of New York, Professor Allen considers the evidence as fairly conclusive that it once existed in western New York, not only in the vicinity of the eastern end of Lake Erie, where now stands the city of Buffalo, at the mouth of a large creek by the same name, but also on the shore of Lake Ontario, probably in Orleans County. In his monograph of the American Bisons, page 107, he gives the following testimony and conclusions on this point. The occurrence of a stream in western New York, called Buffalo Creek, which empties at the eastern end of Lake Erie, is commonly viewed as traditional evidence of its occurrence at this point, but positive testimony to this effect has thus far escaped me. This locality, if it actually came so far eastward, must have formed the eastern limits of its range along the lake. I have found highly questionable allusions to the occurrence of buffaloes along the southern shore of Lake Ontario. Keating, on the authority of Calhoun, however, has cited a passage of Morton's New English Canaan as proof of their former existence in the neighborhood of this lake. Morton's statement is based on Indian reports, and the context gives sufficient evidence of the general vagueness of his knowledge of the region of which he was speaking. The passage, printed in 1637, is as follows. They, the Indians, have also made descriptions of great herds of well-grown beasts that live about the parts of this lake, Iroquois, such as the Christian world, until this discovery, hath not been made acquainted with. These beasts are of the bigness of a cow, their flesh being very good food, their hides good leather, their fleece is very useful, being a kind of wool as fine almost as the wool of the beaver, and the savages do make garments thereof. It is ten years since the first relation of these things came to the ears of the English. The beast, to which allusion is here made, says Professor Allen, is unquestionably the buffalo, but the locality of Lake Iroquois is not easily settled. Calhoun regards it, and probably correctly, as identical with Lake Ontario. The extreme northeastern limit of the former range of the buffalo seems to have been, as above stated, in western New York, near the eastern end of Lake Erie. That it probably ranged thus far, there is fair evidence. Pennsylvania. From the eastern end of Lake Erie, the boundary of the bison's habitat extends south into western Pennsylvania, to a marsh called Buffalo Swamp, on a map published by Peter Kahn in 1771. Professor Allen says it is indicated as situated between the Allegheny River and the west branch of the Susquehanna, near the heads of the Licking and Tobies Creeks, apparently the streams now called Oil Creek and Clarion Creek. In this region there were at one time thousands of buffaloes. While there is not at hand any positive evidence that the buffalo ever inhabited the southwestern portion of Pennsylvania, its presence in the locality mentioned above, and in West Virginia generally, on the south, furnishes sufficient reason for extending the boundary so as to include the southwestern portion of the state and connect with our starting point, the District of Columbia. End of section 2